Hello and welcome to the Court Games LCG Podcast. Not very organized like our RPG uh, sister podcast. I'm your unorganized uh, host, Trevor Cuba, a.k.a. Kikita Onimaru, joined together by my uh, very haughty, uh, glorious... What is... You've got too many adjectives these days. Just glorious. You know, hot, gloriously haughty. I mean, we'll go with that, you know. Fair uh, I'm Zar Agus. Uh, and we are a very special guest uh, from the Jade Throne podcast. Is introduce yourself, please. Uh, how's it going, everybody? My name is uh, Dan Mui, aka Handsome Dan. I'm sure no one's heard about you ever before. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like it's like handsome who, and it's like isn't that isn't that a bit presumptuous to put handsome in front of your name? It's like well, have you met him? Yeah, I mean. I mean, I would say, FFR, not a very <laughs> handsome folk, so. <laughs> no one's giving Dad a run for his statement here. Yeah, not, not, not too much competition out there, so, you know, might as, well, might as well claim the title while the throne is open, right? Yeah, just like, 30 seconds of the podcast just alienate every single listener <laughs> in the entire community. Start off on the good foot. I mean, I don't know. Fro's got his good points, too, you know? <laughs> You know, uh, people, I don't know, many people who haven't listened to this, I don't know if they've ever met Fro. He's surprisingly tall. Like, the first time you he meet him, is. you're like, I thought you were, like, four feet shorter. I thought you were a little <laughs> leprechaun man. No, the guy's a giant. Yeah, yeah he's, he he's quite large. So, uh, Dan, uh, where do people know you from, as if we didn't know already and stuff? But there might be so few people. You got a lot of, you got a lot of projects going on right now. Yeah. Yeah, um, so uh, the main place that people probably know me from right now is uh, on the Jade Throne, as you mentioned earlier. So I'm one of the co-hosts uh, for the Jade Throne. Um, there to offer my lion insights uh, sometimes and other insights from, from my other backgrounds, I guess. But uh, my other project right now is called L5R Lounge, uh, which is just a little YouTube uh, slash Twitch series that I've been doing, just getting a couple players together um, to uh, play a couple games, talk through uh, their deck lists, and... Uh, just talk about, um, you know, just the game in general and, and life and uh, have a good time. And you're also organizing the uh, North American branch of the uh, LLO, aren't you? Uh, that is correct. So um, I, uh, I'm i not I'm not the, the, the main tournament organizer. That's, um, that's Steelfer. Um, but uh, I saw that he was running this event for the European side. And I was like, hey, you know, it'd be really cool if uh, we could get something like that going for uh, North America as well. Uh, just so that way people don't have to wake up at, you know, in, in eight hours in the morning just to play in a tournament. But um, it's an online tournament series um, and sort of our replacement for Cotes in the time being while uh, we can't see each other. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's my other my other little mini project, too. Yeah, it's been running pretty smooth, too. I, I participated in not the most recent one, but the one a couple sessions ago. And I just kind of rolled out of bed half awake. Th grabbed whatever deck I last tested on Jagoku, <laughs> turned it in there. I, I did my new usual 3-3, three, three, you know? <laughs> yeah, I generally don't play much on, because uh, honestly, sleep, you know. I, I still need my sleep. It's on Saturday. I was going to say, now's a great time to get practicing, whether it's an LLO or Jagoku or whatever and stuff, you know. Fantasy Flight has been kind enough to release the image packs for the cards, even though yeah. the sets aren't actually out yet and stuff. So, you know, certain online programs that we're not legally not mentioning and stuff have grabbed those cards and put them into certain programs, uh, allegedly. <laughs> so we <laughs> might get some playtesting done, So, which is good for the community, right. you know, through these times we're in right now. And, and, I mean, I guess, like, one little bit of news is, like, Pack 2 is actually finally going to be released 
released this Friday, the Friday we are recording. So today we are recording on the 2nd of June, uh, 2020. And um, so on Friday, June the 5th, uh, Pack 2 should be released along with a whole bunch of other held back uh, Fantasy Flight games release. Yeah, we're going to get a big deluge of things. Um, yeah. Still no events scheduled, other than, you know, the London Legion. Uh, but, you know, we're just, you know, we're just trucking along. So, as such, we're here continuing our uh, introduction guide right now. So, we started the series with an intro guide talking to you about the general basics of the game. I think we, every time someone wants to talk about the basics of the game and try to get, like, what's a general mulligan strategy or what you try to get this one. The obvious answer is always like, well, it kind of depends on what clan you are and what clan you're up against and stuff. So we're just going to do a series for every clan versus every other clan. So it's Lion Clan's turn. Hello, I am Trevor Cuba. In the memory of George Floyd, here is eight minutes and 46 seconds of silence.
be safe. Yeah. So, Dan, um, just real quick, three thing. What are three things that new players need to know when they're playing Lion? All right. Um. So three. If I had to pick three, three small things. Um. I think number one is going to be. Uh, there are currently many ways to play the de- uh, the the clan. Uh, used to be not so many, uh, but now there's a, there's a lot of different ways to play. So, um, you know, kind of pick pick one and go with it. Um, so that's that's that'll be my number one. Uh, number two is that uh, your red numbers are really big. Um, so make sure that you are focusing on your military. Um, and uh, number three would be uh, uh, we have some of the the coolest art in the game. And uh, if you are into art. Then that's that's probably uh, where I would start for sure. Well, 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 you're telling a crane that the line have the best art. Them's fighting words. Hey, man, <laughs> draw your steel, sir. <laughs> Not saying that the clan necessarily has the best art, but the cards definitely uh, do do the the line clan some justice for sure. I haven't really thought about too uh, much. Uh, what is that? What's some good art from the Lion Clan? Um, so uh, the card that actually got me into the game uh, in general was uh, Lions Pride Brawler. Uh, and so that was that was the card that I saw uh, at the at the gate, and I was like, I never. I, so um, uh, some quick background for for myself. Uh, I didn't play the old game at all, and I came into the LCG um, right around the Imperial Cycle time. Uh, so uh, I saw some people in my shop playing this game, and I saw someone playing with Lions Pride Brawl. I was like, oh man, that art that card's really sick. You know what's what's this game all about? And uh, that's uh, that's probably my number one art still. Um, and within, within you know, the Lion Clan as a whole. The, the art, I, looking at it closely, I've never really thought about it. It is some really stunning art on it this is. piece. It's, uh, it's one of those art pieces that actually tells a story. Um, it, it, you're looking at a still moment in time, but you, you, by just looking at it, you know what, you, you get a sense of what's happening before and what's going to happen after this particular scene. Um, it's, uh, I, I really like the use of color, uh, not exactly sure why her face is a little bit pale, um, but, yeah, anyway, uh, the RPGs, I think LPB yeah. gets, uh, uh, her reputation is a little overshadowed by the meme of her just choke-slamming people in court, which is <laughs> what the card does. Uh, yeah, this is true, this, uh, you know, but, but I think she could put on lipstick. I mean, it's the freaking court, you know? At least you're, you're seeing the freaking emperor. If you're going to beat people up in front of the emperor, at least put on some lipstick. I, I remember <laughs> back in the day when Lion's Pride Brawler was considered the most problematic card in the game, and it must be banned now. Lion are too powerful. Nerf now, please. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely been a roller coaster of a, uh, a ride with, uh, <laughs> with Lion so far. So uh, there's been a lot of peaks and valleys for sure. Um, but I think right now the Lions is Lions situated in a really good spot, and I think that they're if you're looking to pick up the game in general and you're looking for a clan that is, uh, um, you know, pretty that plays the game very well, I would I would recommend Lion. Cool, cool, cool. All right, well, let's get uh, into it and stuff. Uh, what are the major Lion deck archetypes that are going around right now? It was Tower. A little bit ago, I don't like you know. I, I'm gonna get off my soapbox. I've been ranting for a while that Lion Tower is not <laughs> that crazy, but you know it's no longer a conversation really to have. What are Lion playing these days? Um, so I guess we can go ahead and start with Tower, uh, just because I think that uh, if you are starting out in the game, it's a pretty uh, straightforward way to play the game. Um, so the Lion Tower deck uh, usually runs like Unicorn Splash. Uh, we've seen some uh, some other Tower type decks with uh, with like Crane Splash, for example. 
Um, but the idea of the, the of the deck is you want to pick uh, one of your characters, usually one of your commander characters, and slap a whole bunch of attachments on them, uh, and then use effects like uh, In Service to My Lord uh, and Fana Command to stand them back up uh, and get them into multiple conflicts, so that way you get as much value out of one character as you possibly can. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Put some uh, favorite mounts and some barks on there to like slide them into all the yeah. battles they don't belong into. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, any way you can, uh, any way you can fit in. Um, so the deck is really focused on moving your characters into the conflict um, and uh, restanding them. Right. So you want to try to maximize as many of those effects in the deck as you can. Um, so that way, you know, you always have a way to to get your guy back up. And enough of those little attachments. Because Lions have big red numbers, big military. They don't have the greatest political, but you throw enough attach, uh, attachments on there with like plus one political bonuses, it becomes a beefy person in its own right. Also, Lions tend to have very good glory, so you get that thing honored and stuff. Suddenly, they can start threatening blue numbers as well. Yeah, and so um, the clan is, is definitely designed to be um, more lopsided towards military, right? And so if you look back um, at their core design, their core design was all about military stuff, right? So their, their stronghold... Uh, was giving, you know, Yoshi Noshiro, the original stronghold, gives them plus one military while they're attacking uh, for each character that's in the conflict. And so um, a lot of, their, a lot of their, their cards are designed around that. Uh, a lot of cards only trigger during military, effect, uh, military conflicts. A lot of cards only pump military stat. But like you mentioned, uh, you can sort of balance that by uh, adding more attachments in or um, adding other effects that either get you honored so that way you can take use of the glory or um, just give you more political stats so that way you, you're a little bit more well-balanced. Okay. Uh, what about this honor deck that's floating around? Is it a street yeah. honor deck or is it like an honor deck tower hybrid with what kind of seeps in right now? Boy, I can't talk. <laughs> um, so right now, as far as honor is concerned, um, I think that there's, there's a lot of ways to play honor. And so I think currently honor is the strongest way to play lion um, in the, the current meta, but um, I think uh, there, there, like, uh, there, there are multiple ways to, to, to play the deck, um, and so there are some decks that go, uh, you know, kind of, um, I guess, straight for the honor throat, right? So they, they have all the effects that honor the characters, um, they have a lot of like, cheap guys that kind of honor themselves, um, like the uh, Bushido Adherent, uh, the Venerable Historian, uh, cards like those, who, you know, you can just print um, the white honor tokens out, uh, and then your characters lead play. Uh, you have other effects that gain you honor statically, um, and you sort of just rush to twenty five as fast as you can. So that's. And by the way, as a as a crate, I am immensely jealous that you guys have a honor theme before we. Do <laughs> but but lion needed something. I gotta say. Well, yeah, they did, but did they really need this lion honor? thing um probably not but it i mean i mean from what i've seen so far in in my history playing the game so far is that honor is a really attractive option to a lot of players because uh it's people like alternative win conditions and so uh the main win condition in this game of course is is breaking strongholds uh through conquest um but honor was something that's always been kind of elusive i know it was popular in the uh uh the old game as well too right Mm mm-hmm uh, popular is kind of a tricky statement. It's popular if you're an honor player. It's very unpopular <laughs> if you're not an honor player. And it's right. kind of different because, like, just honor decks existed kind of like they do now. But because of the way honor is, uh, even how Lion deck is right now, it's kind of a rocket honor. It's I'm going right. to do everything. I, all my cards say, gave me honor, gave me, uh, gave me honor. You're basically playing your own game, mm-hmm. and it's up to your opponent to try to stop you. 
Uh, Dishonor, uh, in both this game and the old game, is the same exact thing, but it feels different because all the choices are dependent on your decision. So if you're a player, like, you feel good against a Dishonored deck because, like, oh, I lost, but if I would have played this differently, if I played this way, oh, I could have fought my way out of this. Whereas, you know, you're playing a line deck, it's like, oh, I'm at 13 honor. Oh, I'm at 22 honor? What the? I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the exact same binary, but one feels better when it's happening to you. But it's just as inevitable, <laughs> if not more so. Yeah. And so I think in, in the course of this game, um, or at least how Honor functions right now, I think that there are there are still ways to interact with the deck, and I think that it's not to, to a point where, you know, it's just, oh, you know, let me just count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, all the way to 25, right? Um, but uh, I think the um, the parallel to the, the, the decks that try to just count to 25 are the ones that you mentioned earlier, right, that are kind of a little grindier, and they're, they're more focused on just um, they're slowly going to accumulate Honor, um, but at the same time, they're, just, they're also going to just outvalue you through choking out your hands and, um, uh, you know, just slowly breaking your provinces or just slowly putting pressure on uh, on your honor. So um, those kind of decks uh, are um, those those kind of decks are going to be running more stuff like uh, like the crab splash or like dragon splash and stuff that kind of uh, aims to slow the game down as much as it can. Uh, so that way you can just grind the, grind the value out. Is Swarm still a thing? Well, I know it's a thing, but is it like a tier one strategy these days? Um, so I would say right now it's not. Um, I think that uh, there's a lot of things that kind of work against Swarm in general in the game as a whole uh, that kind of keep it from being a top tier strategy. But I think that uh, the this uh, the uh, the Swarm strategy as a whole is starting to get more support. Um, so we saw a card that came out in Pack Three. Um, it's the the battlefield card, uh, the one cost uh, makeshift war camp. Uh, that gives you plus uh, plus two military for each attacking character you have, or not each. Sorry, each participating character you have, um, which is really good. Um, and so we need more effects like that, I think, to really see swarm excel. And I think another card that's going to help out is in pack four. Uh, we're going to see the new line stronghold, uh, Hayaki Noshiro, uh, which lets you stand up a bushi, um, bow the stronghold to to ready a, a bushi that costs two or less. Um, so that's a um, that's also very good for the swarm strategy that wants to buy a lot of cheap guys and yeah. uh, you know do the same thing where you kind of put as many guys into as many conflicts as possible um, and you need more effects like that to really uh, take advantage of it. Cool, cool, cool. I know th this game's been better at it. The old game had an issue with a deck called Breeder specifically, where like Swarm is nice, but if you don't have AOE options offensively to counteract it, it can get out of hand really yeah. fast. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, so, Mulligans, we're up against a just general person right now. Um, uh -huh. What are you looking for dynasty-wise? What are you looking for conflict hand-wise on your first turn, just in general practice? Um, so, right now, I would say universally for all the decks, um, one thing that I'm always kind of looking for is going to be my commander cards. Uh, so, in the recent sets, uh, they've, they've given a lot of support to the commander trait uh, within Lion, so... You want to find uh, your commander cards because a uh, they're usually going to be very good value cards that you you can uh, invest fate into. Um, they have good effects or they have good stats, whatever the case is. Uh, but b um, they can also um, work well with your uh, commander synergy cards, like uh, tactical ingenuity, for example, is a really good conflict card. Um, it yeah, pre prepare for war alone is so good that a lot yeah. of other players are like, how many commanders do I have? Ah oh, man, not uh, yeah, 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 you guys only have one, unfortunately. Uh, and Phoenix, I think, have zero. 
yeah no yeah <laughs> but uh but yeah so i think i think that's what you really want to be looking for is um so a lot again will depend on what what solid deck you're playing um but i think universally they all are happy to see these commander cards so like your kitsumoto or like your akota zentaro or um you know matsu agatoki uh, I think all of these are really solid cards to to start the game out, out with and invest into. Um, uh, so that way you can use your uh, your strong effects, like like you mentioned, prepare for war, tactical ingenuity, um, all that kind of stuff. And just you want to you want to start establishing that presence first and build up that body. Um, and uh, however 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 you plan on using it, whether it's going to be as a tower or just as a conduit for uh, card draw or honoring. Um, so that's uh, that's what you want to look for across the board. Cool, 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 cool. All right, all right. Let's just roll down the list. About, then. Yeah, I was gonna say, how about the uh, how about the conflict side? No, he gave the conflict side. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> so um, tactical ingenuity. Uh, well, again, it's gonna depend on oh, yeah. your opening yeah. flop, but uh, I think tactical ingenuity right. is a card you want to see really early. Um, as far as other line cards that are are really strong, um, I think that your uh, your battlefield effects uh, can definitely help out a lot with uh, some of these new strategies. Um, there's some cards now that are contingent on you having battlefields. Uh, so you want to see, like, your prepared ambush. You want to see, like, your Mace Your Four camp. Uh, just so that way you have those effects online as fast as you can. Um, as an interesting side note, how do, is there a battlefield meta developing yet? Because I know some uh, people were looking at the, uh, where you're, you're just talking about, the makeshift Wharf camp, yeah. saying, oh, that's going to be a problem. But then you notice that battlefields can be replaced by a new battlefield. So are we playing the... I play a battlefield and I play a counter battlefield strategy yet. Is that a thing that's happening? Um, I wouldn't say it's happening yet. It definitely could be a thing that could happen if we see more clans start to use uh, these effects, right? So right now, if you're putting in, um, you know, uh, hate for uh, a battlefield card um, by putting more battlefields in, then uh, what you're doing is you're saying I really want to, um, I really want to deal with lion specifically, and maybe unicorn because we, you know unicorn is, is kind of experimenting with it as well. Um, but I think until you see more battlefields that are meaningful and you see them more uh, throughout other clans, then you're probably not going to see people running stuff like Field of Ruin or um, uh, I guess that's the only one too. That, that, that that's yeah, it's, it's pretty yeah. much the only one. <laughs> so you're going to have to see more more of those effects too. Um, you you need more neutral battlefields or you need more battlefields in other clans oh, so that way the meta actually can develop there. Isn't favorable favorable grounds battlefield? Yes, no. and so there's a lot of cards actually. So um, you know, I'm talking about the attachments right now, but you know, for the battlefield triggering effects, there are a lot of cards that are um, battlefield trait uh, without actually being a, one of those attachments. And so, Fable Ground, as Sar hmm. mentioned, uh, that is, uh, you know, that's that, that, that's that's a card uh, that has battlefield text on it. Um, there's also um, on the unicorn side, there's like Shiatome Encampment. Uh, that's a battlefield too. Um, and there's also provinces that have the battlefield key, uh, trade on them as well, like uh, Dishonorable Assault. So uh, most of these effects only require that you have the trait in play, right? And so it doesn't have to be specifically an attachment. It just has to have be, have be something that has this trait on it. All right. So speaking of Swarm, which is kind of assuming is still like the Crab's major strategy. Uh, yeah. How do you do when setting up against Crabos? What are you looking out for? What is your main game plan stuff? And by Crab, I assume like, 
Uh, I, I'm going to be perfect, honestly. I, I, like, since this whole uh, thing has started, I haven't really been playing too many games. But last I checked, they were still in a, a com combined meta of we're going to start off fielding a bunch of small people and then eventually save up and get either a Yakima or Hidekasada and can finish up the game that way. Yeah, well, the new the new yeah. bad boy on the street is a uh, um, Butcher of the Fallen, uh, and that's the card you kind of need to watch out for. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, so Crab... Crab uh, does have a couple different builds. I think some of them are more swarmy than others, um, but uh, for the most part, um, you know they still are all going to be buying these cheap guys, uh, and they they want to find, you know, like the the, um, the money printers. I like the call them. So that's like the the Caillou envoys and like the Gallant Quartermasters, um, and so cards like that. But I think the main thing that you want to watch out for, uh, in particular against Crab, and I'm sure you mentioned this before, is you want to watch out for Way of the Crab. Uh, oh yeah. So. Uh, that's the number one thing about playing against crab is that, you know, it's it's way of the crab is such a huge value swing for them, that um, it doesn't really matter what strategy you're doing, it's 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 going to adversely impact you, um, if you if you're not playing around it. So um, I was always interested if lions are worried about way of the crab as much as other people are because yeah. you are like the, like the swarmy crab or clan even when you're not trying to be necessarily because there's yeah. always like a matsu berserker flying around somewhere that can die. Yeah, and so I think that it becomes a little more challenging nowadays because of the fact that, um, like I was mentioning earlier, all the commanders are really good investment points, and so people, what people I see people mess up with a lot is uh, they invest too much in. Uh, their commander thinking, oh man, you know, I'm uh, this this card is such good value for me, and then they just get away the crab because they forgot to buy the cheap guys to go alongside it too, right? Right. Yeah. So. Or they waited till they all their cheap guys go away at the end of the phase, and they die in the fate phase, away the crab phase. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's definitely the thing to to watch out for with against crab. Um, uh, the most is is way of the crab for sure. Um, and the other thing that I think that the the card that you want to see the most often against crab. Um, is going to be a Kota Zentaro. Um, so his ability says that uh, while you're attacking a province, um, <laughs> yeah. you can steal a uh, a non-unique province uh, that your opponent controls and put it into in, uh, put it into one of your uh, unbroken provinces. So you mean non-unique holding? Non-unique holding. Yes. Yeah, sorry, not the not the province. Okay. Yeah. I was gonna say province. Be <laughs> like that's a bit too strong, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that would be a little too strong, but yeah, uh, it's it's a holding, right? And so like uh, the crabs right now are running a lot of non-unique holdings that are really good. So stuff like Iron Mine uh, and stuff like Cooney Lab, uh, whenever you steal them, that's such a huge value swing on your side. Uh, oh yeah, you really really want to uh, to try to find Zentaro as uh, as fast as you can and uh, take away as many of those holdings as you can too. Oh yeah, I remember what you did at LVO. <laughs> yes, many many labs were stolen. Many, yeah, <laughs> and that, that was like something to watch. It was just like, and Jared was just looking at the board and just like it's like you you got all my labs. What what can I do? <laughs> yeah, uh, so it, I mean it's 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 really it's really a um, a make or break point too. So you you want to try to find them as as fast as you can and, and really just make sure that you if you're if you're at the very least if you're not going to um, steal them. Then you want to destroy those holdings as, as soon as you can, right? Yeah, there's definitely a lot more tools to do that these days. So sure, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, moving right, right along, the pretty pretty birds. What is your main strategy versus Crane? Aside from wait for them to retreat all their um, political rivals and then try to attack you with a second political attack? Because I don't know what I was thinking, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> 
keep I, I keep giving Sar crap for like really bad plays he makes and stuff. But did you pull Azar? Did you pull Azar? Me and Dan were playing at Gen Con last year, and for some reason, like I had this political battle like locked, but I wasn't like breaking. So I was like, listen, I'm gonna do a fate. I'm gonna pull my guys back, and then I'm gonna reattack with them. And I don't know why I thought I had a second political attack. It's just like <laughs> I was convinced I did. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> against Crane, other than you know waiting for for the inevitable Crane mistake, um, you know your your main game plan is going to be making sure that you keep Voice of Honor off. Um, and so yeah. Lion definitely has a lot more tools to do that uh, now than they did before. Um, but Voice of Honor, remember, um, it's a card that is only active whenever the Crane player has more, or the other player has more honored characters than you. Uh, yeah. So you want to try to make so sure even tying me is. Yeah, so you want to try to even uh, tying me is a good way to turn it off. <laughs> Correct. Uh, so you want to make sure that you are, um, you know, being proactive about that, and so um, using prepare for war, uh, not to remove attachments, uh, but instead just to honor yourself, even if it's only just one step, uh, is can be really big in that kind of matchup. Right. Uh, you want to try to, uh, you know, contest the fire ring as much as you can, um, and also just remember too that um, uh, since I think most cranes right now are still running like the the, the very like mid range dragon splash type build. Uh, and so uh, they can be susceptible to cards like uh, Cute Nakoma, or they can be susceptible to um, like cards like Kitsumotsu that can try, kind of drag them around and put their characters in places that they, they don't want to be or get them bowed um, before they actually get a chance to use them. So uh, that's, that's the main way to sort of contest the board against Crane is just, uh, you know, just make sure that you, you, you're making value plays. And sometimes it's okay to lose a conflict now uh, if it helps you win another one later. I will also say that your generally high glory and your ability to honor yourself makes you kind of hard to duel as well. Yeah. Because even if it's not a straight honor build, like, Crane are probably going to have a higher thing. Well, actually, no, I take that back because if you start dropping your 3,000 military buffs, it's going to be really hard for me to military duel you. And then if I'm trying to politically duel you, well, I might have a slight advantage, but you can easily bid two or three and not fall into the honor hole that so many other clans do. Yeah. Like... A dragon or a crab, they'd rather just bid one and eat it rather than start losing honor because that's a hole they can't cl- climb out of and stuff. Lion can do that without even breaking a sweat. Right. Yeah, for sure. And so, um, and this is more sort of just a general note, uh, um, not just specifically for Crane, but uh, when it comes to dueling, I think a lot of people um, sometimes fall into the trap of, uh, well, I'm going to lose this duel anyway, even if it's a close duel, and they just go ahead and bid one. Um, there's a lot of instances where I think that you can actually bid uh, bid more aggressively and bid higher to try to win some of these duels that would otherwise be a gimme, and that can really swing things in your favor. So stuff like policy debate that's really close, or uh, you know some of these like Akita Dojo duels, for example, that would otherwise bow you. Um, you might want to try to go for the gold there and uh, at least get your opponent thinking and get them uh, a little bit nervous to, to to bid one or to bid whatever they were going to bid right. beforehand. I right. definitely want some major major games at tournaments where my opponent just got into the cycle of like i'm just gonna bid one because it's a duel and you bid one in the cycle and i just dropped the five of like this is not the time for me to lose a policy debate (laughs) and i take the key card out of their hand and just destroy their whole game yeah it's a really big momentum swing for sure so just uh it's it's definitely something to be on the lookout against most duels but in particular against crane since that's where you're going to be seeing the most of the duels speaking of duels albeit inferiorly actually they're doing uh, pretty well right now <laughs> i mean it's like are we really gonna do this like every episode just let it go yes just let it go, no. <laughs> let it go. <laughs> uh dragons 
Uh, what's the game plan versus Dragon? Now that Dragon has, much like the Lion, suddenly shot to, like, you know, a very competitive part of the matter. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely been a really, like, meteoric rise for Dragon. Um, you know, for a while they were in the dumps, but then all of a sudden they found this deck that, that worked for them. Uh, yeah. And uh, that's the uh, the Mitsu, um, sort of Mitsu Tower uh, High Hasselite deck, where the deck is aimed around uh, building up Mitsu or Yokuni copying Mitsu. Um, and then resolving a bunch of ring effects, right? So uh, I think the main thing for this for for playing against this deck as Lion is uh, you have to move quickly. Uh, you have to move faster than them before they build up their tower because uh, uh -huh. their characters are innately much bigger than yours. And, you know they're they're investing heavily into their five fate characters um, who also have really good stats. So it's yeah. hard to get around them uh, from that perspective. So you have to really push your advantage early and try to. Uh, you know, make them spend cards as inefficiently as possible, so that way uh, they don't have as many cards to use uh, for their Mitsu ring effects, or uh, you know, uh, whenever whenever you get to their stronghold. So, uh, I think the key card for Lion in that matchup is going to be um, Kitsumoto, uh, for one, uh, since he can uh, again just sort of drag the the big characters around to conflicts that they didn't want to be in. Um, and the other card is going to be uh, Matsu Agatoki. And so Agatoki's ability says, uh, while you're more honorable than your opponent, you can move the, uh, and sorry, while you're attacking, um, if you're more honorable than your opponent, you can move the conflict to another eligible province. Uh, and so that's really important because you can use that effect to circumvent uh, Dragon's best province, Sacred Sanctuary, which only triggers whenever the attack is declared at the province. So you have to um, uh, sort of maneuver, maneuver your game around to where uh, you're more honorable and you have Agatoki whenever you're ready to push in and break their stronghold. Uh, so that way they can't use uh, Sacred Sanctuary to ready their monk character and to keep it standing after the conflict. Right. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. A, a unique question for this particular matchup, because you're usually going to be staring down a tower with like a, you know, a billion swords and probably honored and something like that. Uh, a lot of military force, but you're lying and you got like, Military pumps coming out of your house. How do you manage your military pumps versus this uh, this huge tower? And when do you know when to call it quits? Um, so the main thing is going to be you want to do whatever you can to not spend your way the lions uh, because of the fact, like you mentioned, right? Uh, you know they're they're big um, and it's hard to get around them once they actually get everything going. So if you can save your way the lion um, for whenever you're ready to make your stronghold push, um, then that's you know that, that that that'll usually win you the game, but uh, until then, you have to make sure that you don't spend any of them if you don't have to. Uh, so that's the. Let me, yeah, go ahead. Charles. Let me ask a question now, and because this is just actually just a thought that just popped in my head, would it make sense to try to push Mitsu out of the conflict with things like uh, strength and numbers? Uh, yeah. So strength and numbers definitely really helps. Um, you have to do it early enough though to make sure that uh, it's uh, um, they don't use high hassle light. Right, so if they right. know that you're on strength and numbers, they can just immediately use high house of light, and then you can't target him with the, uh, the effect anymore. So that's the that's kind of the bummer there too. And then uh, a lot of times, uh, I think Dragon is running some copies of Finger of Jade um, as well, and so that can be hard to get right. around. But they've also since they're a tower, they've also got a number of movement options. Like they've got in Clan, they have Hawk Tattoo already. Yeah. So it'd be really, it feels really bad to, uh, you know, try to strike the numbers of them and then they hawk that you right back into the fight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is right. 
And for whatever reason, people always seem to draw favorable ground uh, whenever uh, I have strength and numbers in hand and I'm about ready to attack Stronghold. <laughs> Without fail. Yeah, favorable grounds, always. Okay, okay. Let's see. Going right through this. you know, Sometimes yeah. this thing takes, you know, like, you know, 40 minutes. Sometimes it takes two hours. But, well, it takes exactly. two hours when it, I got another crane on here, and we're just sitting here dunking another <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. That's what they do. It's like, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, like, you know, next week, maybe, maybe I get to jam with somebody. The, the, the moral of the story is, like, this is supposed to be a 30 to 40 minute podcast, and we fail horrendously every Absolutely. week. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, moving right along uh, to Phoenix. And Phoenix these days seem to be mostly on the I'm going to not attack and do nothing and try to dishonor you while drawing a bunch of cards. Oh, there's, there's, there's the new Phoenix. That, uh, oh, yeah, that, I, I've oh, heard about the new one, too. Yeah. Oh, dear. Do we want to get into the can of worms right now? <laughs> let, 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 yeah. let, let's, start, yeah. let's start with the basic. Te- let's start with the basic Phoenix deck first, right. and then let, we'll talk about the cancer. <laughs> sure. Um, so uh, right now, um, so as uh, as, uh, as Trevor mentioned, I think that right now there are um, the Phoenix pacifist decks, uh, which are kind of okay. But I think coming back into prominence is sort of the mid range Phoenix deck uh, out of. Uh, um, uh, Asylum Mori Sato, um, using Seeker of Void, and just playing, uh, you know, the good cards in Phoenix, um, and putting them all together, uh, running a, a deck that's very similar to the deck that they were running, um, uh, at Worlds last year. Oh, Good so, Stuff Phoenix. Yeah, the, uh, the Good Stuff Phoenix deck, and so, um, I think as far as dealing with both of them, um, which you need to be careful of, uh, so the, the easiest way for you to be able to tell, um, is look at their role. Uh, and so if they're on a keeper roll, then almost hundred percent, it's going to be that, uh, you know, the, uh, the pacifist deck where they're just looking to pass and sort of eventually dishonor you. Um, if they're on secret roll, then very likely it's going to be, uh, the, uh, the mid range deck or alternatively, uh, and there still are some of these out in the meta. If you see an air roll at any time, uh, there's a good chance that it's going to be, um, the, uh, uh, echo, uh, the Echo Bird deck with uh, the yeah. Fushi Cho, and that's an aggro deck. So you should really you need you need to really pay attention to what your opponent is running, um, and you can base your strategy around that. So don't don't get caught blindsided by uh, oh man, I didn't realize what kind of Phoenix this was. But usually there's ways to tell them um, before the game even starts. Yeah, and and big thing to know about Fuchicho is that thing only works on military conflicts, right? Correct. Yes. Um, yeah. So it's actually, it's easy to like play around it if you play your cards right. Yeah. So I mean, you could always. I mean, he can show up in a political conflict, but I mean, if somebody actually well, pays the well, sixth fate. Yeah, we well, can't <laughs> echo him. Is what I'm saying. Correct. Yes. <laughs> no one, no one buys Charge Bird for money. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's yeah. crazy talk. Oh no no no. I've had to several times. It doesn't feel good. Sorry, we're not getting here to this huge litany of your bad decisions. <laughs> and so I'll I'll say I'll say quickly about the um, um the Fushicho deck is that it is an aggro deck. Um, and so the easiest way to combat it is just make sure that you defend. Uh, remember that uh, you are not the aggressor here. You want to try to defend as much as possible until they run out of steam. Um, and then that's when you can you know pick your opportunities to make your counterattacks. Um, and just know that most of what most of the damage that they, that they can do is going to be on military. So uh, if you have to pick w- uh, one of their attacks to really block heavily on, um, always make it your military attack. 
Okay, cool, cool, cool. It's weird to hearing a line say it's not like don't be aggressive. So I've never heard them try yeah. to do that. <laughs> there, but. Well, it's 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 different, right? So back in the day when I think there were more viable aggro decks for line, um, uh, then there was just the race, and you just both of you guys just go all out and uh, just do you just throw all your cards at each other and just see who wins at the end. Um, but nowadays, I think with line playing uh, more conservative decks, uh, you need to remember that you're you're not as aggressive as you once were. And uh, that you actually have to defend here. Have you ever participated in the Lion Clan blood pool of how many bodies can I get on the board and how, what's my total force? Uh, <laughs> what's your record? My record in paper is seventy-five. Um, so wow. Uh, <laughs> okay, what's the record on Jigoku? On Jigoku, I've gotten to I think it was one hundred and twelve. What? <laughs> I hate this last. <laughs> <laughs> so mean, gross. I mean, so I, I definitely, I definitely have gotten some big numbers out there before. Um, but I mean, uh, how? <laughs> um, there's a lot of honor generals involved. Uh, there was a lot of uh, okay. uh, charge and Ujiaki and uh, four greater glories involved. So it was, it was, it was, it was an olden time. Um, but. Uh, it did, it did I, I, I do love how the, the razor thin line that line went from being like top tier to completely bottom tier for three years. <laughs> <laughs> it was rough, man. It was rough. Um, but uh, just to go back quickly through the uh, the other phoenixes, since I didn't really talk too much about them. Uh, so right. for the phoenix, uh, for the phoenix pacifist build, I think you need to be uh, pay really uh, close attention to um, uh, your honor because uh, they are going to be dishonor type decks um, and you also need to look for prepare for war um, that's the card that's going to save you from the um, the pacifist effects and so you're, uh, you can get rid of like the um, peacemaker's blades you can get rid of the pacifisms um, so you need to make sure that you have that attachment removal ready for it uh, whenever that happens um, and then finally versus the uh, uh, the seeker avoid deck uh, the main card you need to look out for in that uh, matchup is going to be consumed by five fires. So uh, mm-hmm. that's everyone's favorite uh, yeah. board wipe type card. Uh, it'll you just you make sure that you're fading your guys appropriately. Uh, if you're playing the tower deck, one thing I like to do is I like to try to pass early or just buy like a, one little cheap guy to start off with, and then the, on the on the second turn I'll buy my commander on like seven, eight, nine, ten fate, whatever the case is. So that way, um, it's very difficult for the phoenix player to actually get a good consumed by five fires off okay. um and so it's gonna hit you it's just not gonna do it yeah yeah and so they have to really you know ask themselves okay well you know is it really worth it for me to spend five fate to essentially do nothing um and you know it, it'll, it'll delay their um, consumed by five fires by a good chunk um and finally i think that the card um that also really helps out uh is uh call to war which came out in the clan war set uh, and so that card lets you uh, add a fate to a Bushi character that you control, um, and your your opponent can choose to give you one honor to um, to also do the same effect on one of their Bushi, or yeah. another Bushi rather. Or any, yeah. Yeah. So um, one thing that you can do is just wait for the consume of five fires to happen, uh, and then you can go ahead and play Call to Ward to just add a fate back on, so that way you can mitigate the damage some. Uh, okay. And uh, as a rule of thumb. Uh, in general, if you can try to contest the favor against Phoenix, I think that you should you should try to do that. It is very difficult, especially when they're running the uh, uh, Isawa Mori Sato. Um, yeah, but the glory box. yeah, the glory boxes it makes it very hard to get the favor from Phoenix. But uh, because it's so easy for Phoenix to get uh, favor, they're most of them are going to be on uh, 
you know, two to three, um, usually three censures, and uh, making sure that you have their counter spells off is really, really important. Yeah, I never try to take the favor against Phoenix, and I'm just pleasantly surprised when it happens. If they <laughs> want that favor, they're taking the, it. Yeah, I'm not going to waste really my, my IMs Yeah, for it. I mean, I, w- I definitely wouldn't go out of my way to do it, but it, I would always keep my eye on it. If there's a way for you to steal it from them, uh, then go ahead and, and jump on that opportunity. Right. Okay. Now, what about the uh, what about the Enlightenment deck? All right. Um, so, the Enlightenment deck, I think uh, you cannot win uh, if you are not playing Honor. Uh, <laughs> and that's that's the really difficult uh, situation that you're in. But I think that uh, one of the big things about um, the Enlightenment deck is that it punishes you for attacking, right? So you know they're using these cards like Display of Power to take the rings, and then uh, once they have the ring, then they can go ahead and use their combo to win the game. Uh, but uh, I do think that Lion is is probably better equipped than than, than most clans uh, to deal with it, uh, other than Scorpion. Uh, and so I think if you're playing the honor deck, uh, you want to play very conservative and try not to t- attack um, without uh, if you don't need to, and just slowly accumulate honor. Um, one of the things that the enlightenment deck needs to do is draw a lot of cards for their combo. Um, and if you can stymie their uh, their card draw by bidding one and getting closer to honoring out, then that really helps you combat uh, them before they can get their combo off. All right. Well, what is their combo? Uh, some players uh, may not know, and potentially some co-hosts. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So <laughs> it's it. it uh, okay. A secluded shrine is definitely a big thing. Part of this. Uh, it. it uh, there's other support cards. There are other support holdings too, such as um, Busting Academy, which basically says if you have a scholar, you can go ahead and uh, ditch a card from a province. Uh, there's. It also runs Wholeness of the World. Um, actually, it runs Know the World first. Know the World lets you switch a ring in your claimed ring pool with another ring in the unclaimed ring pool. It also runs uh, Wholeness of the World, which basically says when any time you return a ring to the unclaimed ring pool, keep it in your claimed ring pool. Okay. So basically, all it needs is just one ring. It needs one rings, a Wholeness of the World, a Know the World, and two secluded Trines. And okay. you and it's, it's basically and an oh and a and a card enlightenment, which basically says trigger all the rings in your claimed ring pool, and if and then if you and and then if you have triggered all five ring effects, you win the game. Okay. Uh, seems like a lot of holes to disrupt that combo, but it's being pretty consistent. At least consistent enough that you guys considered banning it in the LLO format, didn't you? Yeah, and so um, it is It is definitely very difficult, right? And so one thing that we mentioned is that, uh, you know, Phoenix is very good at getting the favor, and so that means that yes. they, they're going to have counter spells to sort of disrupt, um, you know, uh, disrupt your attempts to disrupt them. And so whenever you mm-hmm. try to attack them, and destroy their uh, their holdings that they need, uh, then they go ahead and use Display of Power to take the ring from you anyway. Um, so you sort of get punished for attacking in that sense. Um, I think it's also Ooh. running um, Appeal to Sympathy, which is yes. the pseudo-counterspell uh, that came out in Clan War. So they have six counterspells available, um, and they're also running Rebuild. So yes, even if you destroy their holdings, then they go ahead and play Rebuild and just get them back. Um, and then by the next turn, they'll have enough cards to, uh, they'll have enough rings to, to go ahead and, and fire off their effect. I mean, it sounds gross, however, as an old school player, I cannot turn my nose to the Enlightenment win condition being back in the game, <laughs> so I'm I'm rather pleased with Punch yeah. hearing this. I think, I think dude, it's definitely... I remember, mm-hmm. Dude, 
take it from me. I remember Feta. What's Feta? <laughs> Finding enlightenment through air. Oh, no idea. Oh, this was gold edition. So, yeah, okay, I'm dating myself. This was gold edition. Yeah, I came in celestial, man. <laughs> yeah, and, this is... and, we're, and we're both talking about stuff that Dan does not know about. Oh, I, I've heard I've heard about this deck already just through uh, um, through chatter yeah, about basically, this card. Okay, so basically, it just it it it, 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 it rings were cards. <laughs> Let's go back there. Mm. Rings used to be cards. <laughs> And, okay, you know what? This is way too bad. If you if you actually really <laughs> want to know about this, uh, direct message me because this is severely off topic. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's off topic by our standards. So, all right, okay. So now that you've educated us about enlightenment, um, Scorpion, your arch nemesis. Um, yes. I hear from Scorpion players that they say they have a rough time versus Lion, and I kind of hear vice versa from Lion players saying that Scorpion kind of has their number. Who's got the right of it? Um, I think that the Scorpion players are actually right here. Um, I think that Lion, uh, as a whole, I think is, is pretty favored against Scorpion, um, just because yeah. uh, right now there are a lot of ways, you know, Scorpion's main game plan is going to be uh, dishonoring your people and uh, dishonoring you. Uh, and I think that Lion has a lot of ways to circumvent that right now, thanks to cards like Prepare for War. Uh, and also, you know, I think that the Honor deck just generates so much honor that Scorpion can never actually get to their uh, their main win condition of dishonoring you out. Right. Just starting at 12 or 13 is just a higher barrier to get down to. Yeah. See, the pro- here's the thing. It's like the, the moment, every time I play Scorpion, and um, every time I play Scorpion, and the moment I see... 15, I, I'm not nervous. The moment I see 18, it's like, I gotta start breaking stuff. <laughs> yeah, and so that's definitely the thing that you have to watch out for against Scorpion, is that uh, I think that uh, if, if Scorpion recognizes that they're not able to um, to dishonor you out, then they can actually start breaking through their political attacks. And so like yeah. you mentioned earlier, Lion's political numbers, not so great. Uh, but Scorpion political numbers... Pretty good, especially with cards like uh, um, uh, Shoju, who's just coming in at you know seven plus you know plus four if he's honored, uh, and so there's there's um, there's a lot of room for you to actually just get broken by by, by Scorpion and for them to outrace you in that regard. Uh, so you need to be uh, pay attention to that. If you again like sort of like the opposite of uh, how we were talking about the uh, the Fushicho Phoenix, where uh, if you have to pick a conflict to all defend on, probably make it. The political conflict, because otherwise, you know, Scorpion's not going to accomplish terribly too much on military. Right. Hmm. How do you do a last burst? Uh, I'm interested. How do you do a last desperate stand in political? You know, we got an honor soju coming at your stronghold. What do you do? Because this is very similar to classic crane lion matchups, where I take a pro- I take a political province, you take a military province. We kind of go back and forth, and it's really like who can defend their stronghold one time. That's usually the player who can win. <laughs> Yeah, and so I think that um, you just have to make sure that you have, you try to make sure that you have things lined up as, as, as well as you can, um, so that way you have enough political force to, uh, you're probably not going to stop them from winning the conflict, but you can at least stop them from breaking. So you want to uh, make sure that you have your commanders available, um, uh, and anybody with political stats, you know, don't buy a bunch of mass berserkers and just think that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine now, uh, but just you want to amass as much political stat as possible, because... One thing about political conflicts in this game is that there's not a lot of ways to uh, pump up your stats in political. Um, there's a few select cards that can do it, um, but for the most part, what you see is what you get on the board with political. Uh, so 
uh, just make sure you do your math right and sort of uh, count the ways that you can uh, survive at least and just spend your fate even if it's inefficient you know sometimes you, have, you just have to play things inefficiently in order to uh, to make sure you don't die um, I think another card that helps a lot is uh, Dishonorable Assault, right? So that's a um, uh, that's a strong, strong uh, stronghold province um, because you can discard cards from your hand to dishonor characters that are in play from uh, uh, your opponent um, while they're yeah. at, at, at their province. And so dishonoring Shoju is is pretty big there. I think against some Scorpion builds like either Cute and Bayushi or uh, Seven Things Keep, uh, dishonoring the uh, Scorpion characters uh, so that you can't use Forge Edict is is also really impactful. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Re that matchup, reading which one is their RL card. Well, if they have City with open hand, it's very obvious. But trying to suss yeah. out their, their RL card is very critical to how you're going to proceed there. Exactly. Yeah, but I think for the most part, the big, the biggest thing more is just um, make sure that they just don't get to your stronghold. And uh, I think that you can do that again just through um, effects like Kitsumoto and uh, um, using Lions Pride Brawler. Uh, Lions Pride Brawler is very good in the Scorpion matchup because a lot of, most of the characters are going to get bowed uh, almost instantly by, by Lions Pride Brawler. So you, you want to try to control the board as much as possible. And even if it means that you're going a little bit slower than you want to, uh, as long as you're making them not break you um, super fast, then I think that you're on your way to victory. Yeah, and LBB works kind of like... She's not a duelist, so, they, so they're not... Uh, the Scorpion, who are with her Blake military, not immune exactly. to was, yeah. uh, military effects. They're just reading as zero permanently, exactly. aren't they? Yeah, they are. It's um, Rules-wise, it is dashes are for the effects like Void... And this is effect like Void Fist and LPB. Uh, dashes are essentially zeros. And even if you have, like, even if you have like, uh, I don't know, like uh, Bayushi Liar, uh, he called in favor your fine katana, um, mm. he's still a zero. So what you're telling me is the how we're going to save Rokugan from the evil regent uh, Bishi showed you is send LPB in there and choke slam him. <laughs> There's no more yeah, effective yeah. answer than choke slam in someone. So. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I mean he, he's he, uh, I, he has a bad right arm. His left, he's got a really good left arm. <laughs> he's got though. a really good left arm. <laughs> Uh, uh, so, hey, if Blind Clan right. wants to try to do that, go for it. Uh, I myself, you know, I bow down to our region Choju. I mean, with uh, Suko running things, it's on their to-do list. So. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, to round things out near the end, yeah. uh, you, the clan that stole all of your themes and ran away with it on horseback, Unicorn. Yeah. What do you do in a proxy... Uh, oh, you know what? We totally skipped Lion for the mirror match. Let's talk about Unicorn. We'll wrap right back around to the mirror sure. match. Um, yeah, okay. So uh, Unicorn right now um, is, in fact... Yeah, like you said, they, 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 they sort of took a lot of the themes that belong to Lion at the beginning of the game and sort of ran away with them, right? So they're they're very swarm swarmy-based. Uh, they're very military-based. Um and fortunately for Lion, you know, you, you sort of have some of the tools that you need to uh, to combat that, but uh, it can be tough um, just because they put up so many, so, I, they put up large numbers uh, as effectively as you yeah. do, if not uh, better and more often than you do too. So uh, right now for Unicorn, their two main decks uh, are, uh, there's the uh, uh, Hisumori Toride Agra deck, 
uh, which is just looking to throw throw cavalry bodies at you and just throw as many military conflicts at you as possible. Um, cool. And there's also the uh, uh, Shinjo Shiro Scouted Terrain deck, um, which yeah. is a combo deck uh, that also looks to throw as much military at you as possible um, in one conflict. So yep. uh, the biggest thing here is, again, sort of like the dragon matchup, where you want to try to save your, your efficient military pumps for... Uh, you know, major conflicts, whether it's at your stronghold or whether it's at another province, whatever, whatever the case is, um, you want to make sure you have your way of the lines on as as as, um, as soon as you can. Um, uh, I think uh, Matsu Agatoki is a really good investment piece here, uh, just because he has a foreign military, and so your way of the lines are very effective on on him. Uh, anytime that you can uh, get Taturi into play, that's also going to be a big boon as well. Um, Basically, anybody who's really good with Way of the Lion is what you want to see in this matchup. So, uh, it, is an, it is an aggressive matchup, and so I think that you need to uh, make sure that you don't gas out before they do, and you want to try to make them uh, spend all their resources, so that way um, the rest of their conflicts are kind of just uh, wet noodles, right? Yeah, it's. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and that's always been like a big problem. Uh, uh, sorry, a problem with Unicorn, like since Core. Right, uh, since the environment of core when Unicorn was bottom tier, uh, that they had great cards. It's just that they ran out of gas real fast. Yeah, and so I think right now also um, the Lion deck sort of affords you to run uh, Policy Debate as one of your restricted yeah. list cards, and that's a card that is the absolute bane of, of Unicorn. Um, oh so yeah, most of their guys are zero political, or one political, whatever the case is, and so you can just Policy Debate them. Um, and just strip out their, their big power cards like uh, the Join the Phrase and the Cavalry Reserves, mm-hmm. um, all that kind of stuff, and just keep them from having the gas that they need to, to, to break you. Um, that goes for both the, both types of decks uh, as well. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the swing back around, uh, the Lion Mirror Match. I can't believe I missed the whole category. I've got this little <laughs> list right here just so I can stay on topic, but clearly I don't pay attention. Which is why I think I have two straight political attacks. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, and so I think I think that right now, um the the lion um the lion mirror is sort of rock, paper, scissors. Uh and that I think that some lion archetypes are better against some of the other lion archetypes, which are better than some of the other ones, right? And so I think that honor um is really good against tower, um, because uh, tower is a very slow moving kind of deck. Um it takes a while for it to get built up and um it really relies on uh, conflict draws in order to stack those attachments, right? You need to see more attachments so you can stack more attachments. Um, but honor uh, sort of chokes your hand out because uh, you don't want your opponent to honor out. Uh, and it sort of prevents the towers from getting as big as they need to be. Um, and so I think that uh, in doing so, um, honor, since you're using the same characters pretty much, uh, you can match stats evenly with them and then slow them down enough to where you can just win by accumulating honor. Um, on the flip side, um, I think that honor is really weak to um, to aggressive type strategies and swarm type strategies. So uh, when your opponent is just throwing a bunch, you know, when you when, you, when you're sitting here bidding one and you know trying to survive on uh, one way of the line or something like that, and that's it. Uh, meanwhile, your opponent's throwing a giant board of uh, you know two costers, three costers, one costers at you. Um, it can be really hard to uh, to keep pace with them, uh, and you can lose very easily before you actually uh, get anything going. So, uh, 
and to round it out, I think that the swarm strategy as a whole does really poorly against towers um, because uh, towers sort of sit there and are big and force the, the swarms uh, um, the swarm decks to, to spend cards. And so while attachments are permanent, uh, event cards uh, are not permanent. And so every time you spend an event as opposed to, to match an attachment, you're losing value there. Okay. How often in the lion versus lion match are you sitting in a situation where you've got 30 dudes with a bunch of military buffs and he's got 30 dudes with a bunch of military buffs and you're just like seeing who's got that one extra bonsai in hand? Uh, it happens a lot, actually. And so I think that um, a lot of times you have to play chicken, right? And so like you have to, you have to force your opponent into situations where um, they have to spend cards inefficiently um, and... Since you know they're they're spending one more resource than you, that's one more resource that you're gonna have uh, over them whenever it comes time to break the stronghold. And I think that uh, a lot of this happens on attack because remember that um, if you're tied on attack, um, and I mean, whenever you're attacking a province, the tie goes to the to the attacker, right? So um, you want to put your opponent in situations where um, on defense uh, they they need to win the conflict, and so therefore they have to spend the card, and so. Attacking key cards like the uh, key rings, like the the void ring and the earth ring. Um, sometimes the uh, the fire ring can be really important too. Water ring uh -huh. as well. Uh, you know, just putting, just finding the right ring to select that is the worst for your opponent and forces them to defend and spend inefficiently. Okay, cool. All right, so that seems to wrap things up. Um, any overall general thoughts you think of that would be good for new players or maybe some returning old players? Trying to brush things up. Yeah, so I mean, I think right now the biggest thing that you can, or the best thing you can do with Lion is just go ahead and experiment. And I think that um, because the foundation for Lion has been solidified so much, um, just pick pick something and run with it. Like I said, like I mentioned earlier, um, uh, you want to just go ahead and, and pick a theme that, that interests you uh, and then start building around it. And I think that there's enough tools uh, within Lion and within the rest of the game now to where you can kind of do what you want. But uh, you, make sure you stay focused on... Um, on, on building towards what you want and if it's not what you want then pick something else and go go towards that uh, don't uh it can be because there are so many options it can be really tempting to just kind of try to throw a little bit of everything in there um but i think that's not uh it's not super conducive to you learning um how this one particular aspect of the clan works and so you want to focus on, on one thing at a time um don't spread yourself too thin and uh you know just just figure out what you want from there and uh, as I mentioned before, you know, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of territory to explore with uh, with Lion as it is right now. So it's a it's a really fun clan to pick up. Now, now now that Lion has some good cards, should we go back to the days of hey, this card's yellow? What if we just put three extra triggering conditions on this card for no apparent reason? I would prefer not would to go back to these days. <laughs> it was like it was a very dark time, man. Like there's there are times where I was just playing. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing right now. I feel like I everything everything I'm trying just does not work. Uh, everything I'm doing is just someone else is doing it better and like you know just watching Unicorn get all the cards that I wanted. Uh, it's very very frustrating. So if I can if I can not go back to that, I, I would be very happy. Lion's well, theme is life is hard. <laughs> well, to be fair, to be fair to Unicorn, to be fair, Dan, you guys, Lion did steal the tower strategy from Unicorn. That is true. Yes, uh, <laughs> that was originally a unicorn deck, and then we sort of co-opted it and just made it made it better, right? 
Um, but but that, that, that's that's my understanding of what Lion does in general in the war, right? You just co-op <laughs> things and make it better. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> that and they keep they, they keep getting warped in all the fictions and stuff. Here are the w- mightiest warriors in the land with the greatest military. Let's show them lose every single military conflict <laughs> that they've been depicted in in all of the fictions, <laughs> except for like one. I think Suko took the Crane Castle off screen because they couldn't logically figure out how that would work. Actually, yeah. Um, I think I, I have no idea how it actually worked, but it it, it happened, right? And just we'll accept the fact that it happened, and we'll, you know we take those W's whenever we get them. So it's a. Right. Kaori and some of the other story buffs and stuff, they got on uh, Dave Latterout, who wrote the story, which is a very good story in a, for all intents yeah. and purposes. But they're like, I, do you guys have an internal map? Because by your own fictions, Uji is like sitting right next to Kyun Kikita. How does he not know what's going on right now? Like, oh, snap. <laughs> That's an issue. He was distracted, right? He was, he was watching Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> he was sheltering in place. <laughs> Uh, Sar, take us out of here. All right. Well, uh, let's see here. So first, um, first shout out. Excuse me. It's gonna be. I said shout out. Don't die. I know, right? Uh, yeah. No. Um. So first shout out is going to be for the RPG half of the podcast. Uh, they do. They are way more organized than we are. They don't go on crazy tangents at all whatsoever, and I really mean that. Um, they actually do have their own, they're, uh, they're completely organized. And, uh, yeah. Well, so if, if you guys want to see uh, Crazy right? like, the trick is, like, get a story thing wrong, and then yeah. DM Kaori about it stuff, and you will learn a thing or two about a thing or two. Oh, <laughs> you do. Personal experience right here. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so, and also, shout out to courtgamespod.com a great repository for all things uh, L5R community. And, uh, yeah, and that's uh, basically, uh, you know, you can find a podcast, strategies, beginners, tips, and whatever. Uh, so, yeah, check that out. Uh, also, be sure to support um, this podcast, the RPG podcast, as well as Court Games Pod by uh, supporting the uh, Seabass's Patreon. He does a lot to keep everything going with the Discord and uh, all the podcasts and everything. And also... Guys, um, lockdown is actually lifting, but, you know, still living in a time of uncertainty. Please, you know, be safe out there. If you are sick, don't go out and play, you know, stay home and, and you know, and play on that that platform that we're not allowed to talk about here. Not yet, yep. <laughs> uh, also should point out that Seabass uh, just finished up the auditions and we have our two teams. So we're going to yeah. start launching some actual play podcasts and distributing them on the court games i guess network now we have a whole network of podcasts yes it is the, the court games, it's, yeah. it's, it's it's not just the court, court games rpg and their like silly little brother <laughs> who, who won't stop eating dirt in the corner uh yeah okay uh that's what we're doing got it any big uh shout out stan uh yeah i mean just, just shout out to you guys obviously for uh for having me on here um yeah, it's it's always it's always great to talk about um, you know just the basics of the game and just helping people get into the game itself. And so, thank you for giving me the platform to do this. Right. Oh, sure, anytime and stuff. And also, want to uh, announce my favorite judge of all time, you, Dan, uh, doing a great job with that uh, London Legion Online and stuff. That tournament that I did was super. Uh, well organized. It was. It ran smoothly. It, uh, everyone got some food breaks right on time and stuff. 
uh big props big props yeah and uh shout out of course to uh to um to steel for i got you steel for um mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, for organizing all this stuff and just making sure that we have stuff yeah. to play while we're in uh, uh, while we're in quarantine still. Yeah, uh, uh, Gosh, Stilfer, aka Finbar Bagley, yep. uh, my old co-host for this very mm-hmm. podcast, who totally did not stand me up when we wanted to do the Dragon Podcast last <laughs> week. <laughs> That's not a thing that he did, <laughs> Finbar. <laughs> yep. Yep. Also, uh, just like this, one more last thing. Uh, everyone, be safe out there. Crazy times. Uh, yeah. Be safe out there. Be safe. Be safe. Look out for yourself. Look out for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Have a good one, people. <laughs>